to myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words then maybe it's not true Good evening, welcome along to Friday's Three Amigos. It is a pre-recorded show, so uh, we're not being ignorant, uh, but we'll have pre-recorded this on Thursday. Uh, and uh, just keep your comments coming in, but uh, chat amongst yourselves tonight. We've uh, we've had to pre-record the show, so uh, please let people know when they come into the chat that it's a pre-record. Uh, but as always, plenty to talk about uh, and a good way to kickstart your Newcastle United weekend. And we're going to start with football because it's been a great week. Uh, as far as results are concerned, uh, you, you know Newcastle beating Manchester United at home uh, at home 2-0 is one thing, but then going away and putting in that comprehensive performance, which I think we've all spoken about individually on this platform uh, over the last few weeks, someone is going to get a hiding. I think is what we've all said at some point. And um, West Ham with the team, Keith, they got the hiding. Oh, I tell you what, I'm still as high as a kite. Um, I can't. I can't... I can't put a lot of this into words, but you know, when you chew on trying to help things happen and when you watch over the years and think, where does this end? I tell you what, I hope it doesn't end now or anytime soon because uh, that was just amazing. And, and amazing for me because we went that, you know, they, they, they had a, I laughed when they said, they, they, Moyes said they came out on top and they hit the post. No, Bruno hit the post, you clown. You didn't hit the post to do anything. So Bruno hits the post, and then Newcastle butchered them. And then towards the end, they come back into it. And, and that was the big telling for me, is that when they come back into it, we went again and battered them again. And, and to me, it was almost more important than Man United. Well, Man United, I thought, were exceptional in every single area. Well, last night, we are in London, a place that we traditionally haven't done well at. West Ham was desperate to do well. There was so much at stake. And, it, it, you know, at 2-1, I'm thinking, you know, they're going to come back in it. And then it was just comical. I mean, the goals, the, 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 there was just so much that I saw last night. And, and people that you looked at and like Jacob Murphy, you know what I mean? He's, he's one of us. He's, he's, the lad's grown, grown up and he's, he's become... Um, so motivated by it all, you know, he's 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 the king, he's the king of shithousery, as Neil puts it, and uh, he's 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 you know, he's he's a player, and he's a player that, that when he's playing or when he comes on or when he starts, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to get a shift out of him and he's got he's going to work hard. But it was men and boys. Um, I have a mate who, who contacted us from Hong Kong, um, yesterday afternoon, and that's he's, he's, he's a big, massive West Ham supporter. He asked us if I'd go to London and meet them soon. And after the game, he said, "Don't bother." <laughs> he just, he just, he just, he couldn't hack it, you know. He just, he, he, he loved what we're doing, but God Almighty, I mean, Shah, Fabian Shah. I tell you what, when you hear clowns with a with a capital K turn around and say that his pass wasn't intended, he obviously doesn't watch what we watch every week. Nothing Shah does is unintentional. And that ball was awesome. So was Joe Linton running 
parallel with the halfway line, so he didn't run himself off and then run at the right time. It was always touch and go. But by God, when they drew the lines on VAR, it was a lot more on than it was off. You know what I mean? It wasn't close. You know what I mean? God almighty. I thought, like people were talking about being so many inches on and just, just inches on side, I was thinking... I wish someone give me them inches, I'll tell you. But I looked at that tonight and I just thought it was it was phenomenal. It was it was just great to watch. Shah was massive. He was huge. He was he was I tell you what a footballer that is. What a what even when he's whacking people and picking people up yesterday, you see he's got a lovely nice side from Wilson was sharp again. Callum Wilson was sharp. You know, he looked he looked hungry, he looked fast, he looked nippy. He, he, he just looked as he was enjoying it. What about Maxi? God, I tell you what, what a play he looks because he, he he just looks as though he's understood the message. It's about work rate. It's about team effort, and you know he just he just looks as though he's got so much more to offer. And it sounds as though Eddie Howe wants him next year and there beyond. I mean, I personally have always said I want him to stay and I want him to do well. But I thought last night he was getting towards his unplayable days. I thought at times when he does something, when he dropped his shoulder, when he went past that lad, he went past him as though he was going past Park and Cohn. He, he went past him as though the lad wasn't on the pitch. Um, the header back against Man United was brilliant. You know, Last night, there was one time when the ball came up to him and I wish he'd hit it on the volley. He knocked the ball back and it went to nobody. I wish he'd had a go and volleyed it. So I was hoping to be greedy. At this. He's doing an awful lot and he's getting assists. And when he put that ball to Wilson, he's obviously got people that can finish. He was always guilty of saying people don't finish off the hard work he does. But now he's got people around him equivalent. So I was over the moon with Maxi last night. And I thought when he come off, he was smiling. And I think he thought, right, I've put your shift in. And I want to start next week. Uh, Trippier, what a leader. What a leader. That lad's just, I don't know. He, he, he's, I, I think you want to chuck his birth certificate away because he just looks so up for it. He looks so... Much in charge, and he looks so. I don't know. He's just he's just got a great touch on that. But but the lad the lad who doing is wrong. Bezak, <laughs> how nonchalant was he when he put that ball in? And just literally put his arms behind his back, as did the goalie when he watched it go in. But yeah. but for me, the lad I want to mention is one of my young heroes. Who I've I've lobbied people for two years. My mate doesn't like him as a player. He's a Newcastle fan. And he, he, he said, I see your adopted son had a canny game tonight. And I just sent him 30 laughing faces and a clown face at the end. He says, mate, just admit you're wrong. Sean Longstaff, God almighty. He, he, has the, he has the capability. I said it on our private WhatsApp. He has the capability of being our Milner and our Carrick. If you just bear with this lad, recommend it. Think of how he's treated by Steve Bruce. Watch what these coaches are doing with him. And Sean Longstaff just gets through yards, gets through tackles, gets through skin, grit and bone. And I tell you what, he epitomises everybody that loves that badge. Sean Longstaff last night was exceptional. He worked his backside off, as he did against Man United. You know, and, it, and them goals will start going in. And he, 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 you know, he, he did it the other way. He, he started scoring and he nearly had a trick. Uh, but, but put the whole thing together, you know, it's wrong. I can't... Over over exert me, me turning. I kind of over it and say, look, you lot, you lot, just go and read a book, and I'll go through the whole team. But Newcastle United last Newcastle United with a credit to the fans, to the owners, to the manager, 
and they, they, they were just black and white diamonds. They were just absolutely amazing. And I've been like a kid with a new toy today. I'm just, I'm just buzzing. I had 20 quid on, 35 to 1 for 700 quid of 4-1. And I shouted louder than anybody at 5-1. And I couldn't give a toss. I lost no money. I was just so happy that we started getting what all this fan base has deserved for so many years. Brilliant. Absolutely love it. Over to you, George. Thanks, Keith. Good night. Is there is there anything left? Um, no, seriously, I, I, I'm delighted to follow that because uh, um, it was exceptional. I, 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 I've got to be honest with you. In all the years I've supported the club, I, I when I that finished last night, um, it was sort of feeling I had after I'd come back watching the entertainers, and that's how high I put it. That that's where they are now. There's no doubt about that. Um, and uh, they um, they uh, added, they, they picked up of last night where they left off on Sunday, but they added something else, being clinical in front of goal. They did. Had they been that clinical on Sunday, it was, would have been Manchester that got the, yeah. got the Hayden. Uh, they saved it for West Ham. Um, and uh, it's, <clears throat> uh, it's amazing how... Um, some of these so-called professional pundits sit there and uh, give their opinion. I don't know what what, the, what game they've been playing because uh, the talk absolute rubbish. And it's a very very biased set of pundits as well. You know, one's the the son of an ex West Ham player, <laughs> man, manager, and uh, you know, and the others are all connected to West Ham. And you think, well, yeah, that's that's uh, a bit of uh, um, impartiality, isn't it? Um, no, they, they were just absolutely immense. The, the whether they played it long, short, um, it was all dangerous. Uh, some of the long balls were just absolutely incredible. And Trippier, well, um, if Kieran Trippier isn't um, the England manager's first name on the team sheet in future, then the England manager should be changed because they can't be <laughs> another right. They can't be another right back as good as Kieran Trippier yeah, in, in the Premiership. It's absolutely, and add to that as Keith says, he's also a leader. Um, he he, he's he's there. Anything's happening, he's there. If West Ham were talking to the referee, Trippier's talking to the referee. He doesn't let them get away with anything, and that's that's what a good captain should be like. He, he takes it all and and. Uh, that's that's fantastic, and then um, across the back four entirely. Well, um, nobody put a foot wrong. I mean, I was a bit worried at, at the first few minutes when uh, uh, Bourne give give uh, Dan Byrne a hard run, and I thought, yeah. oops, if this, if this is going to be dangerous for the game. Five minutes later, Dan Byrne had him in his pocket. You know, Bourne could have gone home. He he, he was never any danger after that, really. And uh, and the two centre halves, well, uh, Shaw has been playing out of his skin since uh, Eddie Howe took over the team, and he did it again last night. And my favourite, of course, is uh, is ice cool Mister Botman. Never gets ruffled. That that's a young man who could play another ten years, ten years for Newcastle United, and still be the star centre back. Wow, you know, I, I, I just can't imagine it. It's it just uh, unbelievable. So, uh, and midfield, well, we're worried because uh, 
uh, our uh, talisman from Sunday was uh, had a slight strain, so they left him on the bench. And Big Joe came back in. Big Joe, <laughs> good God. If ever I ordered an apology to any footballer, he he's the one I've got to say. For two for two years under Bruce, I did not give that young man the lickings of a dog. In fact, I used to say to Steve, sitting next to Steve, is there a footballer in there at all? Because his shirt never gets dirty. He never gets a sweat on. Uh, he, he just doesn't do anything for at all. What the hell is he doing on that pitch? And now, he's you know, he's... He, He's added a he's added fifty million to his any price that people would come for him, and the yeah. same thing applies to him and Bruno. If Brazil can afford to leave those two midfielders out of their team, by hell, it must be a bloody good team, I tell you. And uh, all uh, stuck together with a glue that uh, uh, is uh, made in Tyne, on Tyneside in North Shields, Sean Longstaff. It, it, what what a, a nice midfield trio we've got at the moment. Uh, and all uh, performs well. The other pluses, well, we saw Callan Wilson come back to life again and, and frighten West Ham to death. And, and uh, uh, San Maximum, uh, uh, using the awareness he showed on Sunday, he brought it last night again. And uh, he's crossed for, for the first goal. I mean, interestingly, West Ham at the corner were wetting themselves because of all our big blokes. And the net, the net result was they left they left the centre forward on his own to head into the net. I mean, it was just classic, classic ball watching by West Ham. Terrible defending, but thank thank you, we we'll take it. But Maxi had to hit the spot, and he did. Um, and and that was that's great again. And uh, and Jacob Murphy, well, I don't know what uh, Eddie Howe feeds them in their wheat bix, but it's working for. <laughs> It's working for um, Jacob Murphy because, uh, again, a couple of years ago, the, the, the goal that he laid on for a tap-in for Wilson, Brilliant. the old Jacob Murphy would have put that in Rosehead. He would have put his foot through the ball that would have went into Rosehead. It wouldn't have went in the goal. At this time, he, he also suddenly developed the awareness to say, well, hold on, if I just push it across there, it's a tap-in for Callum. And it was. I mean, just incredible. And the last thing I'll finish with, uh, so I don't go on as well. Um, the two goals that Joe Linton scored 18 months ago, he would not have scored. Yeah, you're right. He wouldn't have put those in the in the onion bag. He, he would have been, it would have been either in Rosehead or it'd been a goal kick or, or, or he'd been sitting on his backside with the goalkeeper or something. But the way he's, he nonchalantly zipped round the goalkeeper and, and, and stuck it in the back of the net was fantastic. And the other one, well, we're just, uh, 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 he created himself and finished it off himself. And the very last thing I want to say was that in, in, in football, in all sports, there's always a photograph which um, for the rest of your life sticks in your mind is representing something very special. Well, the photograph that will stick in my mind was the one that somebody put on Twitter yesterday Isaac. Of, of Isaac in the goalkeeper standing side by side, watching the ball go in, his, go in the goalkeeper's own net. I think myself, <laughs> some, somebody said, caption it. Well, yeah, I, I, I could have captioned it, but I, 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 would be, I was using quite a few rude words. Um, but, you know, it, 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 and Isaac standing there with his hands on his hips as if to say, well, there you are, that's how you do it. Fantastic. 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 Uh, well said, George. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Well said, George. Brilliant Thank stuff. You. Steve? 
Hey, guys, you've talked all about the West Ham game. Can I roll back six days and talk about the Man U game as well? The game yeah. where we only had 44% possession and Manchester United had 56 Nobody mentioned, of course, that at least 20% of that possession that Manchester United had was with De Gea either holding the ball or deciding which side of the goal he was going to take a kick from. This was after, of course... Uh, Ten Hag had complained about us time-wasting. I don't think I've ever seen as much time-wasting in the game. And we're being slagged off for it all season by people. The time-wasting that went on in that game and the way that Ten Hag's only tactic against Newcastle United was to try and slow us down, that says an awful lot about the quality of football that we play and the fact that we're in their face and Manchester United, let's let's face it, could not handle it. And I thought the performance that we had on Sunday was probably the best performance of the season. Um, I thought that the, the players were all up for it. We knew that there would be. Um, we hoped there would be. I'm saying we knew. We hoped there would be. And I think our hopes were answered because they certainly were up for it. And uh, you then roll forward into, into what was supposed to be a difficult game. Uh, a West Ham rejuvenated after a home win, looking for more points, trying to get back on the winning ways. Um, and you know what? I mean, we talked about it on 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 Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night show, was it? Uh, where we said that uh, on on the we are the Jories that uh, well, Wednesday night, sorry, um, before the game, we said that uh, you know it, it depended which West Ham turned up. It depended how they handled it as much as anything. We said that they would come at us. They came at us for what three minutes, and that was it. You know, it was over. Yes, we could say that we had a shaky start. I think there was a little message that we got from Keith saying that we'd been atrocious. Two minutes later, we were all telling Keith what a great start we'd had as we went one nil up. That, that for me, that was that was the start, wasn't it, Keith? Of, of a further eight oh, yeah. minutes of of absolutely wonderful football, um, not just in the manner of the way we played the game. But the, the way that we controlled the game, yes, we'll, if, we, if we're going to criticise, we could say that we let them back in at 2-0. We, we decided that to coast it a bit. And I think that shows that when you're a pressing team, that when you do step off, it does give the opposition that little bit of encouragement. Mm-hmm. And it's how you handle that. And, you know, we went, it became 2-1. And I think, it, like the rest of you, I was sitting there at half-time thinking, God, we've got to really be tight at the start of the second half. God, what, 22 seconds later, it's 3-1 and it's, let's face it, game over. Um, you've mentioned some of the players there. and We did talk about it as well, and I mentioned on, on Wednesday's show, the fact that we were playing through the channel rather than wide on the on the wing. We were, we were trying to cut through uh, through the inside left, old inside left, inside right position. That's where the runs were coming from. That's where the goals came from. Maxi, for once, he alternated. alternated. He was going left and he was going right. I thought that uh, he really, really gave the, the full-back the runaround all day. The kid couldn't handle it. The kid was out of his depth, I think. Um, but that's not to take anything away from Maxi's performance. And, and it was the way that we, we gel as a team when we get like that, when we get on a roll. And you, you've mentioned Sean there. Yes, great, great performance. You mentioned Joe Linton coming back into the team. And again, we talked about the changes that we thought might have might have uh, been appropriate, and there were there were the changes that we that we expected, with Joe Linton coming back in for Willock, who was suffering from a little bit of a hamstring twinge, and from Isak being rested and giving Wilson the opportunity, and boy did he take it. Um, but all in all, you just look at the camaraderie, you look at the team performance, you look at the squad as a whole, the depth, not so much in the quality of the players that are coming on. 
but the attitude of the players. Commitment. Because that attitude, exactly, Keith, turned into commitment. And when was also the, the, the little, little tweaks that, that were made during the game when, when ESM came off and we brought, uh, brought Anthony Gordon on. Gordon then wanted a track wider. He was dragging, the, dragging their centre, central defenders across and the full-back across. Their midfield, let's face it, once the first 20 minutes, once Paqueta realised that he was never, ever going to be able to mark Bruno out of the game, Paqueta's game got better, but so did Bruno's. And Bruno yeah. had him in his pocket the whole of the first 20 minutes because he, he knew that he was just going to follow him around. So he was just making the little darting runs and, and had his pal like, completely bamboozled. And it's it's these all these little things that I enjoy now watching Newcastle United. I'm analysing the game and I'm doing it with a smile on my face. And I hope that everybody else is doing that. The only people that aren't are the Jamie Redknapps of this world, isn't it? So, uh, hey, roll on. We've got a we've got a good game, a big game on Saturday, um, where I'm expecting the momentum to to continue. But I think we'll probably cover that as the show goes on. Yeah. Okay, Mitch. I'm going to let people get a little carried away. I'm going to suggest there's another gear in there. I'm going to suggest we didn't play as well against West Ham as we did against Man United. I agree with that. I'm going to suggest that West Ham gave us a little bit of a hand. That's true. Um, And I know we've said somebody was due a shellacking. Somebody's due a proper shellacking. Uh, That's right. That's right. Because, you know, I had an hour and a half or so this this afternoon to sit down um, between doing various things and um, I had a little little look at the goals and their right back, who we looked at at one stage when he was at PSG, yeah. and he came with good reputation. I think he didn't switch on until about the 65th minute. <laughs> you know, he he, he let the, he put the ball out for the corner that where first goal come from. He then was totally unaware about where Joe Linton was when he started to make his run for the second. And any fullback in that situation, all he do is take two steps forward and block him off a little bit and he's runs naked. He can't time the run then. He didn't even know where he was. I've got a feeling the lad didn't even know what pitch he was on. Um, and then the, the third goal, with what, what the centre-back was doing, I don't know. I know I, I, I saw the highlights with the radio commentary and Ando saying he didn't want to call it a schoolboy because he shouldn't see it on a schoolboy pitch. Um, then if that's the case, what the hell happened for number four? You know, but it, this was a, a, a defence breathing a sigh of relief that Callum Wilson had gone off and then realising, oh, shit, that's who's come on to replace him. Oh, hell. Um, we've got a problem here. Um, and the, the fifth was all of, of, for me, all from Anthony Gordon's tenacity to win the ball yeah, and get, get, the, get that move, move running again. Absolutely. Um, and it tells me there's still more to come in there if we need it. Oh, yeah. There's still more to come. I and, I, and I think that's absolutely amazing. Who would have thought we'd be sitting here talking about stuff like that, you know? Um, I think what we did do, though, the, the, the high press and that effort, that non-stop running, and then to see the substitutes come on and just pick up where the, the, the starters had left off, um, that was... For me, the probably the most sensational part of the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, Callum Wilson's back very much back to his best. I think there's something that people have missed for that first goal is that he did that thing that I know I've, I've talked about Kevin Phillips being very good at this. He made the space in the area by standing still. He let that back four who were wetting themselves about the people with hate 
dropped three, four yards back and he only took one step and suddenly he's standing in the middle of the box on his own. Um, and then it, the cross from Maxi was superb. He left the, the, the man might as well have not been there. You know, he was another one sent, 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 sent for the bus and probably had to pay it to get back into the ground. You know, um, just things are really starting to click. That's a Maxi that's starting to click. Well, we call a lot of this on, on We Are The Jodies through the week. We talked about, Steve made a very good point about West Ham lacking confidence. Well, that very much looked like a back four that didn't have any confidence. Uh, you know, the, the stats said that they got on average a goal a game and yet conceded over 20% of their goals in the last 10 minutes. One, two, five, that's, you know, fair whack that. Um, you know, it, it pretty much panned out as, as it could have done. Um, what I did like, though, ruthlessness, was for all that's a goalkeeper who made a rick and conceded five, let's give him a round of applause for the three fantastic fingertip saves he made. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then that could have been the shellacking we were talking about. You know, because the, the, the one from Maxi and the one from yeah. uh, Murphy in particular, they, they, they were very, very, very good top-class saves. Yeah. Um, and so, I'm still sort of, it's all still sinking in, you know. Today, just here we go. It makes me feel buoyant for the weekend and going forward. And um, we've got a, a feel good factor that I can't remember feeling for a very long time indeed. And long may that continue too. I can you just remember, Mitch, though, when at the start of the season, when they went to pre season and we heard, we got a little report about. How Eddie Howe wasn't happy with the, the attitude in terms of he wanted to play this pressing game and he wanted them to start kicking each other and bashing each other mm. about. And the, the word back come back from the players at the time was, we'll never be able to sustain this. I wonder now what's going through those players' minds because what you've got there is you've got a manager who had a plan and he said to them, you buy into this and you'll see the success, you'll see the benefit of what I'm doing now in the close season. Then what we did when we went over to, to Saudi and, and then what we did just a few weeks ago when we went over to Dubai. And the buy, they've all bought into it. That's the good thing. There hasn't been there hasn't been a rush of players leaving the club because we're, we're pounding no, them. And, We've and, got and maybe some of the biggest dissenters are the ones who've taken slightly longer for the penny to drop. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, once it has, once it I, has dropped, they're all in. And, and you made, Keith, Keith made a fantastic point about Murphy, about him growing up and growing into the into his role. Um, that young man, I've said this before, I keep saying it, when he was in Riyadh, was an absolute credit to the football club, an absolute credit to his manager, and total box office to sit and chat with and interact with. Mm. And and if you wanted to show any young footballer how to apply yourself. And get yourself into first team contention and grow when a manager comes in and asks you to do something. Sit down for an hour with Murphy. Yeah. Because I'm telling yeah. you now what a what a lovely young man he, he is and yeah. and, a, and a credit to the club. Yeah, you also remember as well, Mitch, though, that there was a point where lots and lots of people were condemning the fact that, that Murphy was anywhere near the first team. And yeah. I think the words that we used on here is the reason that Murphy is always the first player to come on was because Eddie Howe trusted him. He Trust brought him, yes. him yeah. there and, they put, and to do a particular job. Mm-hmm. And that trust has now paid off immensely, not just for the football club, but for Murphy himself. Because he's now kind of cemented himself 
as one of those players where Howe's going, I've got a problem now. I can't, isn't, he's playing so well. How do I take well, him out of the team? Isn't, uh, isn't there a stat that, that says we've not lost the game when he's been in the start? Now? That's right. Yeah. I'd need to check that, but there's, there's something else. There's something yeah, else yeah, you yeah. two are touching on. You're saying, you're saying. I think Nate Nails is touching there. It's a mammoth point you've just made now. Is when these players came in and Steve Hasty rightly said that how said do it my way and see what happens. And then what Nails rightly said is not everyone's going to tour the line and do exactly what how says. But what Nails hit on is that that a couple of players now seem to firmly get. But but I, I, when you when you were both talking about that, I thought of something. I thought it was a case of what's dropped. I think people realise if you don't do it the way that team does it, the way Eddie Howe does it, you won't be in. And I, and I think that's yeah. why I think that's why as a manager, he's not frightened to drop Isaac last night. You know, he's not frightened to do anything like that. What he'll do is he'll pick what he thinks the right side, and he'll play it his way. If you don't want to, then yes, you might be going to wherever abroad in the summer, but. When you do want to, not only will you be a team player and get in, you'll be a better player than what, what you were. And I think he's making these people better players. And, and, and you know, give him in the past when we say what a difference he's made to... I mean, he made a great difference to me, to Fraser. I thought Fraser looked better under Eddie Howe, albeit he must have rolled off the, off the cliff. But when you look at people like Joe Linton and like Sean Longstaff, you see massive differences. Well, after what I watched last night... One of the big, you know, I think I think he's made a big difference to Jacob Murphy. I think he's, he's yeah. made him because because people think Murphy's young and he's twenty nine year old in February. That's what he, he's twenty nine gone February. And at that age, I just sit there and think, you know, he's not a kid. He's in the prime of his football life. But by God, I, t- I tell you what, you can see why he wants to stay because he looks five times the player under Hedy Howe. Is what he's ever done before with the black and white shirt on, and, and yeah. I think if it right on the head nail, I think I think I think I think it's Howe's way. That's that. I think Howe is one of their managers. Say, if he's, I think if he's one of the fourteenth managers to get sacked rather than thirteenth, apparently gone. I think Howe will say, "Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go down fighting, but I'll play my way, and you will play my way." That's what I think. Exactly, Newcastle. Yeah, it's, I would agree. Can I, I agree? Um, Come back with a, a compliment for for you lads. Well, on last night after the uh, after the game, I sat and watched everything on on Sky Sports about the game to pick up all the nuances and all the rest of it. And I watched it on right till the end when the, they have the back pages of the newspapers on, and the two reviewers. One was uh, Craig Hope, and one yeah, was the right. the gir- girl that works for the uh, the Times, I think, and. Uh, Craig Hope must have been recording uh, Jordy's here, Jordy's there, Jordy's everywhere. Because nearly every quote was word for word what either Neil or Steve Hasty or, or you, Steve Wraith, said about Ten Hag and about Manchester United. Because um, this little girl journalist was trying to beef up how good Ten Hag is. And uh, Craig Hope said, "Well, I think you're overdoing it because I don't. He's done that that well." And Saturday was Sunday was as much his fault as it was the players. But some of the phrases he used, what word for word, what we was what what you lads were saying on uh, on the program the other night. And I thought, well, he he obviously watches the program and records it. I think because that was that was all that was all word for word what the what the the lads were saying. 
Let's, George, let's, George let's, I say, can I just say, can I just say, last night I watched it back. I watched the match back. And you know when you yeah. have a few, you know when you have a few bees in the house. You watch it back. It's always yeah. you're not as tense, and you sort of know that you're going to win. So I watched it, and I didn't realize when Bruno, when, when Bruno had the ball, he played a one-two with the post. He knocked it off the post to get it back. It was all yeah. he lived with that. <laughs> but maybe the drink. <laughs> Classic, <laughs> absolute classic. Okay, um, as always, we've got plenty to get through on the show. Uh, here's Tweet of the Week. Thanks, as always, to Zara. Uh, we had a multitude of Manchester United uh, tweets this week, and I'm not going to make any apology for showing most of them. Uh, James DeMarco, Newcastle on, ready for this duo? Uh, James said, oh, yes, they are. <laughs> um, and, and they certainly were. Uh, Paddy Power at it again. Bruno Fernandez for ninety nine percent of every game he plays. <laughs> <laughs> and a new brew uh, in Manchester. I Manchester bitter. Uh, thanks to Newcastle United FC fans on Facebook for that one. And this one. Who is the first player you think of when you see this Manchester United reversible shirt? Answer: The ref. From Fayeskill. <laughs> Very good. And Jeff Livingston posted this photograph and said, taking both your centre backs off, though. <laughs> Excellent. And when you're having your eyes tested, the optician blocks off your left eye, but you're in too much of a hurry to get your anti Newcastle rant onto social media. What a trophy for Newcastle. <laughs> Brilliant, that. Brilliant. I, I did chuckle at that one. Uh, Plucky and UFC playing above their levels from Billy Bell. Yeah, look yeah. at them. Look Let at that. them. Let that sink in, Manchester United fans. Yeah. And Sir Edward Howe's black and white army. <laughs> <laughs> nice welcome to Newcastle, that one. Uh, on Countdown this week. <laughs> And Gavin Webster, Gates said winning yesterday on pens, worth the money for a trip to Wembley. The Mighty Mags playing Manu off the park today, definitely worth a year's subscription to Sky Sports. Seeing Steve McLaren with his Eric Morgan glasses looking like that secretary of the most hated Sunday League team, losing his for Pope time wasting and getting restrained by the fourth official, priceless. Quality. <laughs> <laughs> But Chitty, uh, Ten Hag spent a whole week chatting the most about Newcastle's style of play, only for Newcastle to drill in 22 shots on their heads, clean 2-0 slapping and draw level with them on goals scored while conceding 18 less. <laughs> Good to see the Arsenal fans enjoying last weekend's result. <laughs> Anthony Gordon, what a result. Special atmosphere today. Jacob Murphy, star boy, Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the leak of his uh, nickname there already uh, from, from the lads in the dressing room. Big shout out, Andre and the boys. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to, uh, to do the talking for them last week yeah. and, um, you know, introduce them to Nobby Solano. They had a wonderful weekend and some of them overstayed and uh, managed to get tickets for West Ham last night. But uh, the Bulgarian lads and the, the Newcastle United, the Bulgarian supporters group, I, I think most of us bumped into them at some point over the weekend. A lovely bunch of guys you couldn't want to meet and um, you couldn't wish to meet, sorry. And uh, great to see them. And I hope that uh, they enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed seeing them. So, uh, great, great photograph. Uh, Wayne Bennett, he only just got second place at the, the second best Premier League's Bruno. 
<laughs> Some great uh, tweets flying around about him. Uh, that one, I'll, I'll let Paul O'Shea's tweet speak for itself. Yeah. <laughs> Vita uh, doesn't use shampoo, hasn't got a dad. Yeah. Uh, caption this said to an army. Michael Jones said, You're not Steve Rafe. Jacob <laughs> <laughs> Murphy was back at it again this weekend, wasn't he? What a. Yeah. Well, he has really turned into somebody like as Mitch was saying and, and Steve was saying before. You know that the, the guy, you know, bleeds black and white, and um, you know he get, he's he's a, a big part of this uh, team. Uh, Real character. Thanks, Lee, for this one. Name Ten Hag. Hype Klopp. Haircut Pep. Attitude Mourinho. Expectation Sir Alex Ferguson. Reality Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with a little touch of Neville, spiced and flavoured with Potter. <laughs> Brilliant, that. <laughs> and Lee Ayrton, thanks for this one. 488 days ago, Newcastle United were 20th in the Premier League. They now sit third with the best defensive record across England's four divisions, taking points from Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs and Man United. Lost once at St James's Park all season. Eddie Howe, give yourself a, a pat on the back and a round of applause. Great tweet, that. Really yeah. This one from Steve. Uh, apologies for anyone who starts humming the proclaimers. Parker, no more. Tuchel no more, Large no more, Gerard no more, Hassan Huttle no more, Lampard no more, although he is back, Marsh no more, Jones no more, Vieira no more, Rogers no more, Potter no more, who's next for the door? That was a great tweet, that Steve. Very good, very good. Uh, breaking news local man admitted to hospital with golf ball lodged in his backside. His wife told the Daily Dafty it's gone up a fair way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. And uh, Adam and Eve, the first people to not read the Apple terms and conditions. <laughs> Very good. I've got high hopes for this outfit, said the Geordie singer. Spruce Spring Clean. Oh, definitely, yeah. Excellent, that mate. Excellent. And uh, Todd Bowley to appoint new Chelsea manager on a rolling 45 minute contract. <laughs> Just giving it X players, any for every forty-five minutes. Uh, this one from uh, Louise James uh, to Tune Chance. The Mackams will love this one. He looks good. He looks good. He looks fine. He looks fine. Jack Ross on my mind. Coaching Jordy under nines. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll catch on, but it certainly uh, tickled us. My friend was at the pub quiz and phoned me. Says Robert Wilkinson, "What's the second second biggest state in the USA?" I said, "Texas." He rang off. The next minute, I got a text from him. What's the second biggest state in USA? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me. I love that. It took me a little while. It took me a little while. Uh, but that was excellent, that one. Um, Jack Stevenson, Harry Kane passed his man you cheating interview with a plum. He should have been sent off as well for the four yellow card offences he committed in five seconds. Shocking that. It was shocking. I've watched it back. Oh, horrible. 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 Uh, Toon Pools, he says, it's really come to something when you get a phone call on a family holiday at Pepper Pig World to sort out a pool. Fear I've got this too late, but let's give it a real go. This was in response to Jamie Carragher going, Monday Night Football, 7 o'clock with Gary Neville and David James. Uh, YouTube is running order. And he asked Toon Pools to put out a, a poll. So, fantastic that. I'm really pleased for uh, Toon Pools getting that kind of uh, that kind of feedback from some of the bigger names. Kieran Maguire, he says, based on figures in the accounts and assuming a one-year payoff of £12 million to Potter and his team, 
Chelsea have spent 174.2 million hiring and firing managers since Abramovich bought the club in tw- uh, 2003. Wow. So it's what, 1.74 billion, is it? That's, that's crazy, isn't it? Crazy, crazy amount of uh, money to spend. Uh, Dougie Morris, Alexander Mitrovic has been banned for eight games for pushing referee Chris Kavanagh. In a statement, the FA said, we are aware that Bruno Fernandes also pushed the linesman at Anfield, but he plays for Manchester United Football Club, so no further action will be taken. (laughs) (laughs) Element of truth in that. Uh, Before it was carved, Mount Rushmore's natural beauty was unprecedented. Oh, God. Jesus. Very clever. Thanks, Ian. And this one from Ian as well. Court speeding so far. 12 planes, 6 helicopters, 3 pigeons, an eagle, a witch, Superman, and a really, really fast cloud. (laughs) (laughs) And this one from Jimmy. As Mr. Risky, we're going to start calling him on here. When you see it... Oh, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jimmy. And breaking news from Roger Cook, a mummy covered in chocolate and chopped hazelnuts wrapped in a gold-coloured foil and placed in a paper sarcophagus has been discovered in Egypt. Archaeologists believe it may be the long-lost Pharaoh Rocher. (laughs) (laughs) That's really nuts. Hey, Food that does what it says on the tin from Dougie. Shito, mild chilli sauce with shrimp. (laughs) And uh, I phoned my wife and asked if she wanted me to pick up fish and chips on my way home. She just grunted at me. I think she still regrets letting me name the twins. (laughs) 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 Stephen Kennedy says, love this one. Daffy Duck calls the front desk at the hotel that he's staying at. He requested a condom to be sent to his room. The person at the front desk asks, shall I put it on your bill? (laughs) Oh, dear. Mark Byers, thanks for this one. What's the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? I believe the main difference is that one will see you later and the other will see you in a while. I could be wrong. I'm not a zoologist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of our former sponsors sent me this one. Anyone else think, uh, dog think that they are a Jedi master? <laughs> Look at that. Cheers, Gareth. Hope you and Nathan are well. And this one. Have you heard of Murphy's Law? Yeah. What is it? If something can go wrong, it will go wrong. Right. Have you heard of Cole's Law? No, what is it? Thinly sliced cabbage. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, I'm looking for a book about turtles, says this man. Hardback? Yes, with small heads. <laughs> <laughs> and, don't worry, there's more of them. Bloody chaos. Mr. Starty yesterday assured you to an ice cream van breaking down right on a corner near me, near to me house. You'd have thought he'd put some cones out. <laughs> thanks Ma- thanks michael jimmy jimmy mr risky and Moore's back anyone out for, anyone up for a night out at the milf plaza <laughs> quality absolutely thanks, thanks jimmy i bet you're booked in there now and uh, these posts have been removed in case they cause offense says dougie morris <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. top three was these dougie morris says why is the electric bill so high uh, Alexa, turn on the lights. Alexa, turn on the TV. Alexa, play music. <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> and I hate people who can't let go of the past. Deck collectors are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Dougie, uh, you've sent us that many this week um, that I've used this one. Is Dougie the winner. 
Oh, my wife announced she'd be leaving me in the morning because of my obsession with Wham. I said, wake me up before you go go. <laughs> <laughs> Dougie, oh dear. Thanks for all of them. Oh, I, I've got to show this again. I'm, I'm, I'm with us pre-recording this on Thursday. I'll be doing the live with Gibbo and, and Malcolm at six, but I, I know we're not at look alike yet, but I just love this. It's Gibbo. It's I'm gonna have to show him it on tonight's show. <laughs> <laughs> Just spitting dabs. All right, you'll go. Whoop! Someone's phone's ringing. Is that? Is that it's yours? Mine, it's mine. I'm afraid. Yeah. Put you on the mute. There you go. Um. Yeah, Keith. Uh, let's let's have a quick pro- a quick prediction as to how long Frank Lampard's going to last in the job. Yeah, <laughs> I was there. Uh, I was quite shocked by that. I mean. He is well held down there and they still do have an affection for him. But, yeah, what did he do in his last job? Um, He made a lot of promises. I think the guy who replaced him is doing a better job. I think he huffed and puffed. And uh, I just don't think the Chelsea jobs, the kind of job that you could do on an interim part-time basis, you know, that, that Chelsea job needs people to look at all the people they had who've been sidelined. And I'm talking about players of the ilk of uh, Pulisic and people like that. Some really, really, really good players. And they've just been really badly dealt with. And then he's brought in other players. So if you just look at two, look at Mudrich and look at uh, Fernandes, and you just look at them and think to yourself, are they really... 86 million and 110 million. You know what I mean? Like, like is, is that the kind of ilk them? T- Maybe they are. I'm not, I'm not, you know, the expert. I'm just saying, are they really, them two players, are they really 190 million pounds worth of players when Botman's 30 odd and Joe Linton's 40 or whatever? And, you know, like, um, Isaac's 63. Ah, I, I just don't see it. To then give that to an ex-manager who, yes, you buy some... But, but like putting Shearer in charge of us. Yes, people would rally around him. Um, but does it make the right move? And for me, I could... Uh, I think he's a good, honest pro. I think he's a good footballer, but he's a manager. I think if he was ever going to be the man to get something, you know, to get a tune out of, of, a, of, a, of a fiddle, he should have done it. Uh, he should have done Everton, and, and I, I just looked at it and I just think to myself, he's proven that he'd run out of tricks. He'd proven that he'd maybe he's not less lost the dressing room. But he'd, he, he, he literally turned a team, quite an expensive team, and some decent players into a bottom three team. Um, and I don't think ever, ever did that team play under Lampard and looked like anything other than a lowish league team. So why then would you give them all those expensive wannabes, has-beens, potentially cracking players? And when I talk about potentially cracking players, I look at someone like Young Gallagher. You know, I, think he's, I think he's a cracking footballer. And I think that, that he's been badly dealt with. I think he's had a raw deal. Stick Frank Lampard in there. Yes, he might work with a few like that, but, you know, what does he do? I mean, the only thing I see is, that, you know, there must be eight people to every peg in that dressing room. How, how, how does somebody go in with 10 games to go 
and make sense of that. And, and, and is it not, this is what somebody said tonight, is this not a ploy by Chelsea to admit that Tuchu was wrong, admit that Potter was wrong and say maybe we shouldn't have got rid of uh, you, you know, Lampard, like maybe we shouldn't have got rid of what they call him. Um, who are we on about? Oh, Potter. Yeah, getting rid of Potter. No, no, no. Who the, the lad who's got uh, who we on about at uh, Chelsea? Lampard's gone. Lampard. To Chelsea. Lampard. Right, that's what I mean. So, so is 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 Lampard not being put in there with a view to seeing whether he is the right one with better players? Is 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 this not a is this not a cheap shot by Chelsea to do it because? I don't understand. They're not going to get relegated and they're not going to get Champions League. So I don't understand what putting them in there is going to achieve because, because the only thing you're going to buy is you're going to buy some, you know, remove some unrest amongst the fans. That's all you're going to do by, by putting in their old hero. But if Nagelsmann's going to get the job in the new year, in the new season, then I don't see what the benefit of putting Lampard in was. I did, I, I, I just think, you know, I think he might have put his father in. You know, his father might have done a similar job. But, but, but you know, when I look at Huddersfield, I understand why they put Neil Warnock in to keep them up. I, I couldn't get why somebody as highly paid as Frank Lampard that, that is as well respected is put in. What's his purpose or what's his goal? And if his goal is anything other than keep the fans happy, then I'd love to know what it was. Yeah, it's a strange one. Um, Steve, you, you you predicted this was going to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you said that he would be gone before the end of the season. Yeah, Mitch and myself both said that it would, Potter would be, would not last the season out. What we didn't say until we probably watched the game on Tuesday night uh, against Liverpool, that Frank Lampard would be installed as, as some sort of caretaker for the, the rest of the season. But the minute we saw him sitting in the stand, we thought, oh, there's a rabbit off here. What's yeah. going on? And that, that, that for me, I mean, he, he put himself front and centre there. There's no question in my mind that he's there to deflect all the, the flack that was coming Bowley's way yeah. of what they've, what they've done, the, the ridiculous decisions they made to get rid of Tuchel, and then the, the fact that they've had to go first employing Potter and then getting rid of Potter, and all the money that they spent um, subsequently in transfers, which was obvious, had nothing to do with Potter. You're not telling me that Potter was sitting there um, saying, "Oh yes, we're going to let's go out and spend all this on Mudrich. Let's spend this on on Hernandez. All that type of thing. It's absolutely pathetic. They, they, they were playing monopoly money. They were playing for fun, um, playing some sort of fantasy football up in the directors box." And then they've suddenly gone, oh, we're going to get loads of stick now. We're going to get stick not just from the fans, but we're starting to get questioning what's going on by the press. And so the, all of a sudden they've gone, they've put, they've put, they've, they've offered Frank an opportunity here to come back in. We talked about Bowling not knowing what's been going on. You think Bowling's not aware that Frank Lampard was a failure at Chelsea in the previous generation? Because he was, it's not that long ago. That, that that Lampard was the manager and they had to get rid of him. So I, I, I suspect that Bowley wasn't even aware of that because he seems to know nothing about his own football club. Um, he's definitely there alongside Ashley Cole merely to settle the settle the, the, the troops and to to just put a nice you know nobody will snag off Frank and it's not, nothing's going to be Frank's fault. 
It's not going to be Todd's fault. We're doing the best. They're basically giving up on the season and they're now going to look to next season. But the two people that they've been talking to don't want to be there yet. They want to see exactly what's going on and they want to see, they want to hear from Bodie what the real transfer activity is going to be. They want to know exactly what the budget's going to be. They want to know who they can get rid of. They want to know who they're going to allow them to get rid of. Players that remember that they've given eight year contracts to. And what I'd say about the lad who was doing the job, not being funny, but we we get we get hammered by the press. Nobody hammered the fact that they played three, they played a three-man back three with wing backs, and then they played three defensive midfielders sitting in front of that back three. And they've got no strikers, there's nothing going on. They've got two blokes up front who just seem as though they haven't a clue, certainly can't put the ball in the net. Felix was completely out of it. And so was so was, was Havarts. The fans don't like Havarts either. They're losing interest in them. Um, I'm loving it, me. I'm absolutely loving it. It's Chelsea. This is great. Long you know, may it continue. <laughs> I heard. I heard that Chelsea. There was a board meet last week, and four of them sat down and had to put on a piece of paper who they nominated for a caretaker manager. And three of them all put Lampard. And when they went to Bowley's, he put Potter. <laughs> Nothing would surprise you, <laughs> Mitch. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you and Steve did, yeah, you know, you did, yeah. yeah, you put your reputations on the line as, you know, as, as podcasters, I guess, and, and just, you know, basically said, oh, yeah, before the end of the season, and there was a few raised the, eyebrows, and you know, uh, as the like, but God, you were right, mate. I mean, seven months the, in a job, the, unbelievable. The minute Bowley came in and started playing championship manager, there's no way I could control what was coming in, what was going out. And therefore, there's no way he can control what happens with that team. Um, I mean, I shared my reaction with uh, Chelsea Rob when I told him this afternoon on Twitter this afternoon. He's still going. He's still seething. He just messaged about 10 minutes ago saying, is Bowley on glue? <laughs> He's absolutely hopping. He's absolutely hopping. And quite right too, you know. We've seen this coming. You know, they've got a squad with about... 18 wingers in, no, no real striker. Um, the load of defensive midfielders, the load of centre backs and wing backs, and that's what it is. They cannot decide on which goalkeeper they're the happiest with. Um, it's an absolute shit show. It's just a train crash. And, and I reckon Ancelotti must be absolutely wet in these pants in Madrid. They've got. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea's only path to the Champions League, no matter what Bowley thinks, is by winning the thing. And that's the next opponent. And who's going there to face them? On the back of them, just sticking four past Barcelona in a derby. Um, oh, yeah, Frank. Great. Nah. It, 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 they've given up on that as well. Um, there's an absolute train wreck happening there. And there's the man responsible is the man who we said, when he came in, he might have a great understanding of how he can make FFP work. Doesn't but he football. doesn't understand football. Ah, uh, you did. You doesn't. Did. He understands how American sports work and how he can flex your muscles as an owner there because of salary caps, because the players don't have all the power. Um, he doesn't have an absolute clue what to do when it comes to managing Chelsea um, financially. Um, I think it, 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 it's fascinating. And again, something else, I'm glad it's not us for a change. We're the ones on the outside looking in, Cody. It's going on down there. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, 
you could see certain things coming. And I put the any manager going in there, because any manager going in there does not have control, does not have any kind of sensible power, um, because the power still seems to be within the ballroom. Um, whoever it was who was screaming a few months ago to get Bowley away from the from the day-to-day -day business has obviously lost that battle internally. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it just was never part of a squad to work with. It was the squad that was imposed upon him. And that spells disaster in football. It's never going to work out. And I'm going to be absolutely fascinated to see how they're going to make their books balance, how they're going to get their squad trimmed down, who's going to do business with them. This, and again, this comes back to a conversation we had probably about a year ago when we were talking about there'll come a time because of the car crash of finances in football um, when the, the financially buoyant clubs like us can turn around and actually be choosy about who we do business with and we hold the power. How yeah. badly do you want rid of that player? What kind of value can we have off that then? If you really need that player off your books, we'll take him. But we're not going to pay 30 million for him. We might, might give you 20. And this, and if the Todd Bowley's to negotiate, I will make get him for ten and a bag of magic beans and some fantastic new clothes that you can't really see when you hang them on a hanger because you go for all of that. Um, so I think um, the next few months are going to be really interesting, particularly once people get their accounts to start to pick through as well. We still still don't know which accounts certain monies are resting in and what's. What's been included and what hasn't been included, and I think that I think on the late filing again this year, that's that immediately is a big red flag popping up in the middle. So um, the next few months are going to be quite interesting from a Chelsea perspective. I'll give you, I'll give you, if you believe in irony, guys, if you believe in irony, then the fact is that Frank Lampard, when he eventually left the club, one of the reasons why why they got rid of him, he was unhappy with the transfer activity, and one of the players he wanted to buy because he wanted goals, was Aubameyang. He's come into the team, and one of the players that he can't play, even though he needs goals, next Aubameyang. Champions League is Aubameyang. I mean, how athletic is that? Hey, have you seen this other crazy stuff? How Chelsea is this? That if Kante plays the next game, he'll have played his last four games for a different manager. Hats off to you, mate. Hats off to you because I don't class myself as a podcaster. I think I'm just a football fan who somehow got on the podcast. But you, you lads come on and you, you put your money and your mouth on there to be judged and you make predictions. But I, George started the show by being very humble and saying, I owe a huge apology to Joe Linton. And I just wanted to say it, Neil wants a bit of recognition. As far as this, this Todd Bowley goes, I remember you and Stuart Penman, Neil, both saying that. He'll not even get on Christmas. And I think when you see a statement as bold as that, I don't think you were wrong. I just think you were months ahead of everybody else. I think you <laughs> support what was coming, you and Stuart, long before the rest did. And the other thing I'll say to you, when your dad's been so honest, is it, it must be a Mitchell thing. Yeah, Joe, you might owe Joe Litton an apology, but the one person in the whole NUFC podcast arena who said there's a player in Joe Litton's your son, your nail said, there's a player in Joe Linton. And a lot of people don't go back and say, oh, Neil, you're right. Sorry, I got that wrong. But that's, that, you know, you called Todd Bowley before everybody else and you called Joe Linton before everybody else. Well done, yeah. Uh, I, I tell you that the, the, the only reason, from my perspective, you could 
kind of get a feel for who he was going to come in is because I love so many, many American sports and I've got a handle on some of the American sports. And the American sports owners really don't get how football works, not just because of um, relegation and promotion being a, an anathema to them, but because of the way the power is structured within the game and the way the money sits within the game, the way tele- television money is used, the way sponsorship money is used. And it's all about trying to balance things and share power between the clubs and the owners yeah, have far more control over everything they do. They can take a star player and get rid of them like that. Yeah. You think you're the bees in these rooms here? Bye-bye. And so you can't do that here. And they, they are coming over, and this is the clear and present danger to the Premier League, like me and Steve have been banging on for years. It's not money from the Middle East, it's money from America, because those American owners will want to change the very nature of the game from root and branch up. We, we once had um, a bloke like that, didn't we? We had a bloke like that years ago that had that culture. If you were good or big, or they thought you were bigger than the club, you got rid of it's called God, Gordon Lee. Can you remember him? Gordon yeah. Lee, and Gordon Lee. Did yeah, you're, on, you're on mute, Dad. Hi. Hi, George, you're still on mute because of your phone. Take him off mute, Steve. Yeah, you were punished, George. You were punished. <laughs> All right. Punished for having that phone ringing again. And then you promised me you wouldn't be organising any <laughs> interruptions. And then you get... Hey, George. Must be great getting tilt off of you. That's all right. I can, I can cope. I can cope. Is that all right now? I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah. Um, what I was going to come back with is listen to his talk. And I told you last night I watched Craig Hope. Here's a quote direct from Craig Hope last night when they were talking about Chelsea. And, and his first quote was, it's madness, and it's all down to Bowley. And then he said, he knows a lot about money, but he knows nothing about football, either on or off the pitch. Now, which two people on this screen said that? They're sitting in front of it. And that's exactly what Craig Hope said last night, honestly. Uh, word for word, what you lads have been saying for, for ages. And then went on to talk about how uh, Bowley actually put Potter down as his choice to run it, run it till the end of the season. How how can you put a manager back in the dressing room that they've just sacked him from? The players have already got a dozen nicknames for him, none of them which are very complimentary. And how is he going to pick a team out of that? Absolute madness. Because Absolute there's, madness. There's, there's, there's precedent for things like that in recent history in baseball and in American football where yeah. a head coach has been deposed sent away for a fortnight to sit on a naughty step and then brought back in to steer a team at the end of the season because they realise they're out of playoff contention and there's just they're playing dead rubbers. Um, so they bring bring the, the safe pair of hands back to steer them to the end of the season. No, he won't, yeah. no, he won't be there after. This is the kind of madness that happens there sometimes that is an anathema to us. We don't understand moves like that, but they do. And, I- and so... That's clearly, again, if, if that's true, and that's what he's wanted to do, again, that's very much American sports thing. Well, I'll just bring him back. And if you, if you really want to see how uh, mediocre Lampard is the manager, you just need to watch the, the Everton-Tottenham match the other night. Sean Dyche just come in and immediately 
Everton are kicking everything that yeah. moves yeah. and aren't going to be moved very easily. Where before, if that had been Lampard on the dugout, Tottenham would have won that match easy. Yeah. yeah. And and Sean Dyche has turned them into a team that's hard to beat uh, and, and willing to have a go. Um, where Lampard, as I say, if it had been Lampard in that dugout, uh, Tottenham would have won that match easy. So um, it's it just madness, absolute madness. But uh, they'll, they'll pay for it in the end. My interpretation. Well, mate, well, mate John, who was an Everton fan, uh, when he saw what I'd put on Twitter about Chelsea, Robbie messages, he said, do you have a picture of his face when you told him? <laughs> <laughs> My interpretation, George, of uh, Potter, uh, of, of, of Bowley, um, I think it was tongue-in-cheek when people say three voted for um, Lampard back and one said, I think we should have Potter for... I think it was... I think that's just a wind-up joke on uh, Bowley not having a clue where his ass from his elbow is because yeah. they, they were talk, I, think it's, I think it's been a, a humorous quick put around that Potter doesn't even know who the manager was. The only thing Potter knows is who's rumoured... Uh, sorry, Bowley. The only thing Bowley knows who's rumoured to be the best players he saw on his telly screen at the World Cup. I think he watched the World Cup, heard all the reporters who were raving about, I think he went and bought them all. But I don't I don't think he really like when Neil says he doesn't understand football, I don't think he understands coaching. I no, don't think no. I don't think he understands scouting. No. I don't think he understands no. FFP. I don't think he understands London people. I don't think he understands competition amongst the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham. I don't think he understands a lot of things. I think he understands soccer, and I think he understands franchising, and I think he understands raising finance. And that's it. Yeah, I think he understands the mechanics of FFB, yeah, and that's maybe. why these long contracts come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, somebody who understands the mechanics of how you get around certain rules, but he still doesn't understand the implications of. And again, I've used this name on a number of occasions. A Henry Saviet type situation yeah. where you've got a player on a long contract who nobody else wants, nobody else wants to pay, and so he just sits his bum down and says, I'll have me check every week, thanks. I don't think he understands, Neil, how to get a team at the Champions League. I don't think he realise you've got to get the top four. I think I think he yeah, thinks yeah. that comes automatic. Well, there, there was well, a suggestion he'd had a conversation with someone where he said, in front of a group of journalists, because obviously we're guaranteed the Champions League money every year, and somebody yeah. said, well... Did, but you've got to qualify for it, you know. And, and he seemed to be a little bit ambiguous about whether he understood that. Uh, now, again, how much truth and how much little bit of a stab at him as an individual that is, I don't know. I suspect there's more than a sprinkling of the truth. Yeah, but he's yeah. What he's yeah, doing is playing between the lines, isn't he? He's playing between yeah. the financial lines because that's a typical financier. <clears throat> He's got. He's been given a set of rules, and then he's the analyst who's been able to go and go. Right. Well, how how can we get around that? And what? And with it, with a with a good legal team behind him, he's going. Yeah, that'll work, and that'll work. And and that's the game that he's been playing. He's been playing the financial game and not realizing there's a game that gets played on the pitch. And that, and to win those games on the pitch, you've got to have a good manager, and you've got to have good coaches, and you've got to have players that will play as a team and you've got to develop your team and they're the things that he's forgotten about and the other thing is that in, in my perspective I thought Potter 
this season stood every chance of getting them into the Champions League final because it's the only competition that he seemed to have a handle yeah. on. And and th- I think they've just thrown that one away as well. Probably, I, probably I because he had a smaller pot of pick, place to pick exactly. from. Exactly. He, yeah. he, he was in control. He'd already got rid of the Aubameyangs and, and those problems. And he had a firm plan in mind of how he was going to handle playing in those Champions League games. He, knew, he had made his conscious decision that the league couldn't be won he was already out of the FA Cup. This was the big chance. This was the the big saviour for him. And they threw that away as well. Bullish yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that uh, made me smile, uh, was it last night? Yeah, it was. There was a journalist talking about the, the possible candidates for Chelsea. And then they talked about uh, Jose Enrique. And uh, then they start to talk about his terms. And the terms they start to lay down is... Uh, Bowley, Bowley would have a heart attack if he even looked at the terms because Enrique wants to be able to know who he can sack, who he can hire, yeah. uh, what he can do, what he do this, and all, all the things that Bowley's doing himself. Uh, and and that, that manager would want to do the whole lot. Well, he's not going to get one very well with Chelsea, is he? Yeah, I honestly think that, that what Bowley did was Bowley jumped and got rid of Potter because he was too busy watching what was happening at Tottenham. And he thought, oh, there might be, you know, there's a manager that we might want. Yeah, but yeah. I think he's been looking at other clubs, and I think there's an there's an element of that. What's gra- the grass that's greener on the other side of the fence? Who who might they get? Oh, well, if if we have to get a new manager, that means he's out of the running. So we need to be we need to be in that game. He's forgot which game he's playing. He's not playing football manager in choosing it's managers. A real game. You know, yeah. he's, he's reading the wrong game. Can I bring some reality to all this? Just to, you know, to think about uh, Potter. He's he got he got twenty was it fifteen twenty five for signing on and fifteen for leaving, right? 40, million, that, right? Forty million pound he got. Just spare thought while you're watching the show and just think to yourself: a mug, a mug with forty million can get ten percent return in the in the markets now. So if he invests that. That means he gets eighty thousand pound a week interest for the rest of his life. Eighty thousand he can spend, and as it accumulates, it goes up. So, so with his forty million untouched, he's got eighty thousand pound a week. Eighty, eighty, eighty thousand a week. Not even... as long as he doesn't get rid of Craig Bellamy. But yeah, but what, I, I, but what I'm saying is, what a phenomenal amount of money. So where people might think, why did you do it, Potter? Because we all said, oh, don't leave Brighton. I mean, maybe he had to. Maybe he's maybe he's maybe he's doing well at Brighton over the same period. Might have earned him five million. This this guy and his family and all his kids and offsprings, they just you know, they they yeah, set right. for life in a, in a way. And he's had a go, and it might have worked. So I don't blame him at all, and I don't think he's become a bad coach overnight. No, no I think he'll go on. I think no. he'll go on and go. I think he'll go elsewhere and, and have success. That's, that's, I think you're right, Steve. Well, well over halfway through the show, I'm going to play the ads. Plus, I need to go at the loop. <laughs> A big thanks to all our sponsors: Skips and Bins. Telephone 0800 2545 2533. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skips Easy contract free and pay as you go. Waste collection. Thanks also to Mr. Vicky's Handmade in Cumbria. These sauces are really hot stuff. You can order them by emailing info at mrvickies.co.uk or by telephoning 01768 210 Thanks to Neil and the guys at Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. 
And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle, and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe to the show, hit the subscribe button tonight. It is free. Hit the thumb up under the video to like the video and click share to share to your other social media. If you want to join the channel, hit join. There's three different tiers. Pick the one that suits you and help support the channel financially. If you want to pay a one-off membership fee of £25 and get these goodies, a scarf, a pen, a cup, and entry into the monthly draw, then go to NUFC Matters and look for Membership Pack. Failing that, get your smartphone and put it over the QR code and it will take you straight there. We're also a podcast and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean and other podcast providers. Usually goes up 24 hours after the show has finished. We also support the food bank on this channel. If you want to make a virtual donation today at the Matchday Bucket, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you can make a deposit today. Don't forget to enter the Shira raffle. There's 150 tickets, £1 per ticket, and you can win a limited edition signed Alan Shearer ball. Enter now at nufcmatters.com. If you have a look on our website, we've also got a vast range of mugs, T-shirts, cups, and whatever else takes your fancy. The Isaac T-shirt is proven popular this month, 16.99 plus delivery from nufcmatters.com. Don't forget as well, we do a, a range of events over the course of the year. We have Peter Beardsley, an up-close and personal evening at the Time Mouse Surf Cafe. Limited tickets remain, 25th of April. Get them now from surfcafetimemouth.co.uk or from ticketweb.uk. There's also an evening with Peter Beardsley on May the 19th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. And you can get tickets from newcastlelegends.com. And tickets are £50. Don't forget our end of season do takes place 27th of May, 7 o'clock at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets for that one are a tenner. NUFCmatters.com is where you can get your tickets for that. In June, Thursday the 1st of June to be precise, Rob Lee will be at Louis Liquor Store in the big market in Newcastle. And tickets for that are available direct from the venue. And an evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark and John Beresford takes place the next evening on Friday the 2nd of June at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth. This is a charity event and tables are of £10, £700 and you can book them by contacting natalie at healandtour.org.uk or visiting their website. In July, Gavin Peacock is in Newcastle on July the 10th at the Tyneside Iris Centre. Tickets for that are available from nufcmatters.com and he also... Uh, takes uh, an evening with at the Surf Cafe in Tynemouth on the 11th of July. So get your tickets direct from the venue for that one as well. And if you're a boxing fan, the Night of Champions, Ricky Hatton, Frank Bruno, Nigel Benn and Joe Calzaghi takes place at the Fed. Uh, and that will be taking place on the 16th of June. More dates to be added. Tickets from all those events, www.com goldstarpromotions.co.uk Okay, time for the day I met.
Yeah, mate, we're asking to send in photographs of you meeting someone from Newcastle United, past or present. Uh, Guy Carr, thanks for this one. DI Met, spotted him in Metro Centre prior to the Man U game. Uh, he says, uh, then a posse of young'uns followed him into Super Drug. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Absolutely. Not like he Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, amazing, isn't it? I mean, anybody anybody stands next to we towers over them. Callum Wilson this week was uh, was yeah. hilarious. But, uh, yeah, yeah. If you've got if you've got a photo, get it sent in, and we will uh, feature it on the show and annoy people with this music. <laughs> Once again, uh, we don't take this for granted. A big thank you to everybody who has supported the channel over the last month. 248 new subscribers, 295.6 thousand total views, 3.7 million minutes watched. Thank you very much, NUFC Matters community. Great figures. Absolutely. Thank uh, thank you, everybody. Thanks very much for uh, for being a big part of it and uh, keeping us going uh, and through the ups and downs. John from QDEC. we haven't got his clue for this week, so I'll, I'll refresh you uh, memories. So we'll, we'll put the next one up, uh, the final question next week. Five foot ten inches, Bury three NUFC goals. So when we're back live next week, uh, you'll have your question in the chat. And the first person to give the correct answer will win the prize. Okay. Um, just want to look at the, the new training facilities have been unearthed and, and, and unveiled slowly but surely over the last few months, Keith. Um, how, much, how much of a part is that going to play at, at Newcastle United for, for attracting new players, but, but also just for, for making the new ones, you know, making the current players happy? Because I, I guess, and I'll show you a couple of photos in, in a minute when I, when I get them loaded up, um, you know, a before and after. Um, and, and, you know, when we talk about investment in the club, we think about players in particular because that's what ultimately, you know, dictates whether you're going to be better than another team. But facilities make, you know, they, they, they play a big part, don't they? I think they do now. And I think they did when Rafa was there. I don't think they played any part when Bruce was there because he just gave everyone the job. He didn't seem to do any training. But um, as far as as far as the current fix of players I think it's mammoth I think it's huge and I think I think I always look back and think what was the most important signing and, and for me without doubt it was Trippier because like we had no right to get Trippier for 12 million pounds you know what I mean he came to this club he took a hell of a chance and what I'll always look back on you know Trippier and, and Bruno they came when it was just a promise and where there was adequate funding but there was no track record, no nothing. So they were gambling. But Trippi was gambling his reputation. And, and I know they say he had genuine personal reasons. He wanted to get back to the UK. But he could have gone to a lot of places, Spurs being one. So so for me, when they came, they must have looked at them training facilities and thought, holy shit, where have I woke up? Because like, I guess in terms of, in terms of, if you look at Leicester from what they, you know, their training facilities, you look at Newcastle, you would say that, that our facilities are more akin to Beirut. Um, you know, when, when a player is getting in the wheelie bin, there's an ice bath. You, you, you can make a joke of it, you know, pictures on Twitter and WhatsApp, but it's not funny. You know what I mean? And, and um, I think when you look back 
what, what I've noticed, which is which is 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 very um, it's very relevant where we go now is when when you look back now, um, there's the, the with a lot of injuries, and we look at players think shit, what's happening to these players on the training grounds? And I think now they talk about when you go in there, it's not just um, nice places. We've obviously said the inside, say the eating facility, so it's it's a better play, better place to wind down. It's a better place to build teams, get a team spirit going to eat. So when Anthony Gordon got signed, we saw how um, you know everybody was sat around in what looked like I'd call luxurious re- cafe come restaurant style place. And I think it's the kind of place where you can say that's us. I don't think it's where it ends. I think I think this is the interim project where we are now. I think with this ownership we've got with PIF involvement. I think we haven't seen the end game in terms of the stadium or in terms of the training ground. But what I think we've got is we've got something that is definitely adequate to A, retain the people we want to keep. And, and when I do that, I'll say name two, I'll say Botman or Isaac. You know, if you want to go on, Bruno's of the world. You've got to keep them people. You've got to keep them happy. Because there's one thing certain is there's bids coming in for them lads. There'll be bids in the summer for Botman and Bruno, as sure as I've got no fringe. It's going to happen. You're going to have people coming at us for them players, you know. And 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 the other thing is, is people will try and turn heads like Maxi and people like that. You you want them to feel as though they're missing something. And I felt when we lost Wood, um, and I felt when we lost Shelby. I felt that they, they went very noble, very respectful of, of the club, very grateful for, for, for getting the opportunity to play more. But there was, a, there was a sadness in them that they were leaving a special crowd away. You know, they, they walked away for a special group of players. And, and people now are looking out for results. And people, I, think, I think if you support the Shelby tomorrow, he's in the battle of his life trying to keep Forrest up. But I think he's looking at Newcastle thinking... They were, that's a great squad and that squad's going somewhere but the one thing that let us down all the way was the training facilities we didn't have and I don't just mean pitches and I don't just mean change rooms I mean the rooms next to the medical people and next to them so, so, so the medical sciences that you're getting into Neil will articulate this better because he's from a medical background is, is that you don't just want um, one physio you're in physiotherapy the, the different degrees of that on, on a footballer's body is, is incredible. So, you, you know, you'll, you'll have specialists in different disciplines that they're doing. And, and to not have enough room for them people or to have, you know, I mean, the, the well-publicised ice baths and, and uh, hydrotherapy pools that were just absolutely substandard would get a new player to think, oh, come on, a new player goes to Man City, goes to Newcastle two years ago, He's not coming here. And, and and what I noticed before we got all these facilities ready is that we were losing kids. You know, we, we were in for Perón from Argentina and, and we had Mercedes coming up with them and, and it was a done day when we ended going to Man City. And we lost we lost a great Sancho to Chelsea. So so, so 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 for me, when you look at all them people, I think to myself, the training ground couldn't have helped. And I don't think it's the finished article now. I just think it's 80, 90% of where we want to be in five to 10 years' time. I think that, that we've got a facility that's good enough for any professional footballer to do his stuff, to get treatment and to get well looked after. 
And I think we've never been in that position for a long, long time. I think I think Yacasa's been shambolic, yeah, in the sense. I, I, I'll compare it to the kids' teams we've had who, who just don't seem to have been managed correctly and the same sort of structure in the humans at Newcastle has been miles away. We're getting battered off teams like Sunderland who clearly haven't got the facilities, the background, the scout or anything that we've got. And I think that, I think you've just got to look at the whole structure. When you looked at the training ground facilities, I think it was, it was just, in Keith Patterson's words, dog shit. It was just miles and miles behind where it needed to be. I, I'm a bit of a dreamer and I think that we'll, we'll end up getting a new complex, you know, in Gosford or somewhere, developed by the Rubens that'll that'll be mind-blown and it'll be as good as anywhere in the country. But I think now we'll have gone from worse than the Premiership and we'll probably be just over mid-table now, which is, it, it means we keep the Brumos of the world and it means we can attract the right players. I still don't think we're there, but I think it's light years ahead of where it's been. Yeah, I would agree, Mitch. It, it's definitely, a, you know, it, it's got to be a massive positive for those players going yes. in and, and just seeing the facilities and, and you know, sitting in there, you know, it, it's got to be great. It's clear that it's more than just a look at paint. And you can just see that from the from the pictures. And that's definitely what was needed. But we also have to remember this is also very likely to be, at the end of the day, just an interim solution. As they look to build something bigger going forward, and that, that's the next stage of the evolution. But it was an important one, you know. Um, Keith's touched on it. Facilities, sometimes people say they're not that important. I would disagree entirely. If you've got the best particle physicist in the world, is he going to be solving quantum theory and whether you can fold space to create wormholes and cross the galaxy? Is he going to do that sitting in a lab in Switzerland with access to the Large Hadron Collider? Or is he going to do it on a Friday night in his shed with a couple of cans and a Henry Hoover and some bean cans? You know, you can have the best mind in the world, but that best mind in the world also needs the facilities to do what he needs to do. Mm. Same with the, 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 the sports medicine. Our sports medicine team have come under fire quite a lot in the, in the last few years. Um, I think some of it is... is, is for the right reasons, and some of it's probably for their own reasons, that probably were doing at times the best they could with what they had. Um, and I think, like all elements of, of medicine, you're now getting physios who aren't just football physios, you're now getting physios who are ultra specialized, uh, just deal with knees and downover, uh, deal with backs and hips. Um, and that's how happening across medicine as a, as a whole. I'm now coming across colleagues who are genuinely so ultra-specialised, I look at it and think, well, how, how can you just do that all day, every day? But there's enough subtle nuance and in-depth knowledge for that to be happening, and certainly within sports medicine that time. Um, and, and so the, the facilities are, are key, not just to impressing people coming through the door and retaining those who are already through the door, but we're allowing the very best people because it's quite clear PIF want to recruit the very best they can. They need the best facilities to enable them to do the best they can. Yeah. And so um, I think they've made very big steps in a short space of time. And, and I think the next stage really will be part of putting us on the, the launch part to take us to the next level again. And I think Keith's right. I agree with Keith in terms of I think there'll be a 
training complex with exceptional facilities sort of earmarked for somewhere in the town somewhere. It wouldn't surprise me if it's on land owned by the Rubens. That would be the most logical thing to, to partnership with. Um, and I think that, that when we see signs of that happening, you know the next level really is coming. Yeah, I, I would say yeah, I would say you're right. George, thoughts on the new training facilities? There's the well, old ones and uh, there's the uh, there's the new ones. Well, the fact that I could see it out of my bedroom window helps as well. <laughs> um, uh, and not before time. I mean, uh, what Ashley did to Rafa was criminal. You know, Rafa asked to try and update the facilities and Ashley sent a painter in with a pot of paint and they painted them. That was it. And, and how, how Rafa stood for that, never mind some of the other things that were uh, tricks were played on him. Um, but you, you see the difference even even from Rafa's time. Rafa had an individual dossier on every single player. He knew what they what they could do, the, what short sprints, what long sprints, and all the rest of it. Um, and what did Bruce do the day he walked in? Got rid of the ball. He binned them, he binned them all. Well, I, I wished he had. Well, he, he might have done the size of his stomach. Yeah, he might have done. Um, but that, you know that that. Sends it to a different level. It, it, it's the way of training, not and, and you are going to go into modern training. And as Neil says, you need the modern facilities to back it up, the the modern uh, medical staff to back it up. Um, and uh, um, I, I, well, I think I've sent you more than once on on, on here that uh, when I used to hear the uh, the preseason training uh, things that they used to do when Bruce was running Mad. things, and it was like a mini Olympics. You know, 100 metres time, 200 metres, 400 metres, 1,500 metres, 3 kilometres, all timed. And then he used to put them in ranks as to who, who was the best at this and that and the other. And uh, fine for those that uh, that need that, but not everybody needs that. Some of the players that have um, uh, hamstrings and muscle strain possibilities, the last thing they need is... Hard running like that, just just to get a time. They can they can develop their strength and their muscle structure in, in the proper gymnasium in the proper workroom, uh, being guided by proper physiotherapists and and, and strength coaches, and not on a running track. You know the, the notion that you just need to be able to run went out with the, with the dark ages uh, in in terms of football, and you can see it in every football ground that you any football club you go to. Um, and, the, and the, you know, the jibes about, uh, as Keith says, about the ice bath being in, in wheelie bins and all that sort of thing. What we need to remember is that when Ashley took over that place, it was regarded with the academy as being one of the best in the Premiership. It didn't take long for it to become one of the worst in the Premiership, uh, just by sheer neglect. No, it, it, it's fantastic, and I agree with the lads. It, it's a step in the right direction, but it's not the final step. It's, it, there'll, be, there'll be something bigger and better in on getting put on plans now, ready to develop uh, probably, if not this close season, the close season after. I don't think it'll long before uh, we'll see a, a, an all-singing dancing facility, which uh, uh, is important. And for young people... Going into that sort of facility, Keith's absolutely right. It it sets the mindset. I want to be part of this. 
I want to be part of this. It's, it's an important part when you're attracting young people and uh, and their families and so on to to stay with you. So yeah, I think I think that it's good, but it's it's only it's a step in the right direction and it'll it'll get better the next time again. Steve, yeah, you look back, and George is right at the time. Just before Ashley arrived, Newcastle did have what was classed as decent uh, training facilities. What happened, of course, was that first Chelsea uh, developed new training ground at Cobham when Abramovich came in, which was around about the same time that Sir John Hall went, you know what, I cannot compete with Abramovich, despite having plans, if we all remember, for a new training ground uh, to be developed by the airport at Walsingham. Um then Liverpool, they developed new training ground. Man United, Ditch Carrington went for a new training ground. Um, then I think it was after that, Man City, the buyout, uh, the way that they, they built a complex. And then you suddenly start getting the likes of Leicester and Brighton building training grounds and building re- not, not, not sort of, you know, Let's regenerate what we've already got. Building proper state-of-the-art. Tottenham did exactly the same. State-of-the-art training grounds. Training grounds with 16, 20, 25 pitches. Training facilities that, that also incorporated the women's teams that those clubs were, were pushing at, at that particular time. They were doing things, bringing in academy, specific academy areas. Newcastle, at the time, decided, as you say, put a lick of paint in. I remember being at the in the fans forum back in 2015 when the question was raised at, in the summer about the training facilities and um, at the time Lee Charlie said, "Guys, we've, we've got plans for the training ground. We've got real big plans. In fact, we're going to take you up there. Is any, are you all available next Monday?" And next thing you know, we we all met at the training ground and we were given a guided tour and we were sat down in a room and we were shown the plans of what what the club had for the training ground, and he was quite proud of it. He was quite proud of, of how you know, there was going to be a hydro pool here and there was going to be this there and there was going to be that. That was under Pardew. Pardew was sacked, if you remember. Um, eventually, Rafa comes in. And one of the things that Rafa did when he was there was, let, well, let's have a look at these plans. Because by then, Rafa had seen what was happening at Brighton. He'd seen what was happening at Leicester. He'd mm-hmm. seen the facilities at Manchester and at Chelsea and at Man City and Everton, and, and so on, all the way through the leagues. And he knew what was happening in, in, in Spain. And he, he went, you know what, let's have a review. Let's see whether what you're putting in is going to be first class. Let's see if it's going to be fit for purpose. And at that point, the plans were revised, or supposed to be being revised by the club. And what happened? They basically just sat on a shelf, and Rafa just was left to languish in whatever the, whatever the facilities were, and I remember the, the week the week that Rafa left, being up at the training ground, he, he, I was with Bill Corcoran and Colin Whittle, and he, he he spent some time. He sat us down. He took us around. He, we had a we had a, a session watching some training. It, it was it was fascinating. And uh, one of the things we noticed was that even Rafa abided by the rules. As we were going back into the into the the cafeteria area, Rafa said, "Sorry, lads, you go in there." I've got to walk all the way around to the side door and I've got to go in that way because I'm wearing boots and I've got to go and change my boots and not allowed to walk through because I've told the players they cannot come through this cafeteria area straight from the training ground and in if they're wearing training kit and boots and I've got to abide by the rules. And off he went and he, and he came through and we're looking at it thinking, you know what, 
even if they'd come through in boots, it wouldn't have made any difference. The place is a tip compared to what you would expect. I mean, it was no, it was no better than a than a a a twenty year old comprehensive school facility that you have as a gym. To be perfectly honest, um, it was it was that poor. Um, so it needs upgrading. We know it needs upgrading. There's obviously, you know, the the club knew that they had to do something quickly. It's great that they've, that they've managed to get there. One of one of our crowd was in there just a couple of months ago and uh, saw it firsthand the changes that were being being incorporated and and came back and report to us that he thought it looked absolutely spot on and the players would be chuffed to bits. Um, but I think the long term, I think you'll see Newcastle with a purpose built training ground. The lads are saying Gosford. I think they'll be a little bit further up into where, into the outskirts of the city and and, and possibly up by the airport. Um, that's where there's plenty of land. That's where there's to be. I don't think they would have ever been able to get the university land that that uh, that overlaps with St James uh, with uh, the, the Dorsley Park. I don't think they would have got the Blue Star facilities, even though the um, the uh, Facilities at the uh, Northumberland, even though Northumberland FA are moving down to the Coast Road, um, I could see that being perfect for the for the girls, uh, the ladies' team, um, where they can have their own little ground. Um, those type of, of developments see changes happening, um, and those would be would be great. Bring the bring the uh, the facilities closer together, but I think in the long term we'll see we'll see something really really special develop. And anyone who's seen the photographs of some of the training facilities in uh, in Saudi Arabia, and we're talking about Man City, we're talking about Chelsea and Tottenham and, and all those other clubs, but boy, those facilities in in the Middle East, uh, they knock that into a cocked hat. And if that's the sort of direction that we're taking, then it's going to be exciting times for any youngster who has aspirations to be a professional footballer and manage to make it and uh, start to represent Newcastle United from the region. You can imagine being a 10-year-old now and looking at Sean Longstaff and saying, I want to be Sean Longstaff. In 10 years' time, you could be training in the most amazing facilities possible. That's what Newcastle United is all about in the future. Fantastic. OK, uh, time for two look alike. So a mixture this week, uh, thanks to David Shepard, uh, no need for introductions as to who this was, uh, we did uh, manage to uh, stick a little bit in uh, in Twitter, took these tonight Keith, Mr H looking pensive at Kitty Wake Pub Whitley Bay, possibly for next Friday, great watch tonight, your insight is tremendous. Thanks, David Shepard. Uh, can't even, can even go out for a drink now. Uh, you know what makes me laugh? He's got the probably with his beer. He says, I think I'll just take a picture of the dog so it looks like he is. Brilliant. I'm saying it is me. Not if you're looking like you. Like, Find yourself going through that. Uh, Albert's standing up for you, Steve. He goes, no mug this, lad. Be good boots. He then followed it up with this. Uh, our man is through the ages. <laughs> Hasn't even got the hasn't even got the, the deal, mate. <laughs> and this one, it looks like you've been on the sunbeds. And here's the experiments with a bit of loopy and nail varnish, says Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I think he meant lippy. God. Um, <laughs> thanks to Barry Hogan. Is this uh, is this Mr. Hasty on the guitar? <laughs> uh, no. Nope. Hey, that's not bad, Eric Clapton. It is Eric, guy, but he's about forty year older than me. <laughs> Okay, we'll go back to Rachel. 
I don't know. Well, Rachel, Rachel well, really had an impact this week. So Albert joined in. <laughs> best in breed. Uh, yeah. Albert, my dear me. And then Legacy Magpie. Is that Steve Hasty in the barber's chair? <laughs> I, I love these ones from Albert. <laughs> BBC announced that our very own Steve Hasty will be the new presenter of Crooks. First nah, time I worked on the BWP. And if I still work <laughs> then I'd be checking these out and getting them a job. Rachel's goes back in again there with that one. I like that dog. And I don't know what you mean. Wrong, wrong colour hair, Andrew. <laughs> God, like Steve Wright. Well, you said he was a poodle, says Rachel. She, Rachel was on one this week, Steve. <laughs> oh, God, what uh, Steve Schwing Hasty, says Milburn. <laughs> uh, he had a cut like that, eh? Andy Cooper, Hasty facing a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new photo. I've never seen that one, Steve. Oh, no, I've seen that. Uh, hang on, it's gone to VAR. Looks like Wraithy's pooch was played on side. Oh, Deflection, apparently. <laughs> Very good, that. That's a really like that one, Albert. Thank you. Double. Back to Hasty. Cruft result in. <laughs> Hasty wins. All right. Always a winner. I had to take the writing off on this one. <laughs> Jesus. Steve. <laughs> Two you, sir. Um, one for Hasty. There's four for Hasty there, not one. <laughs> Good Lovely, that was from your good old pal Tom Dixon. Good. Uh, Steve Hasty in China says Toon Meister. Oh, that's the uh, I know who that is. Who that's, oh. the, that's the Irish MEP, isn't it? Aye, uh, yep, yeah, uh, yeah, all right, okay. Um, is it Steve Baptiste or Clinton Hasty? <laughs> <laughs> and getting the word, got, 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 a, got a few of these. Yeah, with these, uh, that's he- uh, that hasty is a pest. He's trying to muscle in on Gary Neville's post match report from St. James's Park on Sunday. <laughs> oh, daddy, the background. This that is a few, few, around. few people got that. Um, th- these are the best shots. There he is again. Wow. Is that Steve Hasty with glasses <laughs> on behind Gary? Brilliant. <laughs> Sam Chipperfield, Steve Hasty's been popped. Steve Hasty's been on the weight, says Sam. Oh, <laughs> Back to the dogs from Rita. <laughs> a variety of llamas. Oh, she'd stop watching. I don't think she'd gone quiet. And Jimmy Moore, do you look like you? Hasty. <laughs> Go on, Jimmy, lad. And from uh, Paul Sunny Mag. No, it's a beauty, old Paul. Super hasty, bat hasty, so hasty, or game of hasty. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I've got no one else better to do these. They're all very tasty, anyway. Thanks for coming <laughs> Must spend all day on the bloody computer. David Moyes and Emily. Here's some serious ones. David Moyes and Emily Bishop. E, good God. <laughs> um, Thomas Frank and Professor Snape. Uh, yeah. Not far off. Fair good ones, these read uh, proper ones. Uh, Roberto Deserbi and David Guest. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite good, that. Even, and another one from here. We had eyes, I can see that. Lisandro Mar- Martinez and Zelda from the Terror Hawks. <laughs> oh, my God. What a horrible comparison. Uh, this wasn't a win, but this was one of my favourites this week. Uh, Steve Wraith and Sir Keith of their view of the stage block. By <laughs> 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 so that's not her arse. No, it's two heads. It's pretty good if you look closely. Uh, Jonathan Green, thanks for this one. Toon lookalike, Jeff Grazier and Sue Smith. 
Yeah, oh, I can God. see that. That's pretty good, that, like. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Now, here's he can say all them, but he can't say that like this in the dogs. <laughs> Bruno Fernandes yeah, and yeah. Roland Rat from Melbourne. And that's, a, that's an insult to Roland Rat, that. Chilling out tips with a Geordie dentist. It's been a long week, says Stephen Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> Just picture Mitch like that in his uh, apartment. Courtesy of uh, Robert Baker. Yeah. The difference? No, no me neither. No. <laughs> I did like this one as well, Keith. You see oh, that? Right, good, eh? The I'd light is remarkable. Do the Albert again. I'd love a haircut like that. It would be fantastic, wouldn't it? It would oh. good. Mark Hughes and Ailsa from Home and Away. That's a ring of that. <laughs> really good, that one. That's a Tom Dixon one, I think. And uh, Cesc Fabregas and Zachary Quinto. Brilliant. Excellent. Brilliant. Proper look out. Proper look likes there. Um, Harry Redknapp and Annie Edson Taylor, the first per- oh, person to survive going over Niagara Falls in a barrel. That is spooky. That is that's scary, isn't it? Yeah. Separated at birth. Very good. Oh, um, Mitch looks like Bill Haley. That's that's just that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this guy again in the dressing room as well. Bloody hell, Steve oh. Ray back in the picks again. Got to admire your balls. I mean, I've got who is this guy? I don't he's know. Bald and he looks like me, and he's in the dressing room photographs all the he time. Lads, is he? he must be, yeah. Here's another one of Mitch. I oh, know it's Toon Tipster. <laughs> Toon Tipster. <laughs> who are you? Who are you? He's not yet to defend himself, but I'll, yeah. so I'll take it off. I'll him. defend him. Keith and Steve Hasty, pals forever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. And uh, Jimmy Neal and Tony Adams is another good look. Like quite good, isn't it? That's it good. Is okay, top three. Don't know who your mate is, Mitch, but could be a candidate for two look like. Ah, it's good, that, isn't it? Andy. <laughs> Andy. Ah, it's good. It's good so, Brendan Rogers, mate. That's Andy. Number two. Andy Cooper submitted himself this week. Tune lookalike, may it spurs away this season. And apparently, I'm like Nuno Espirito Santo. What, on the tour? <laughs> on the tour. Get some, get some dogs on for the winner. Yep. The winner this week is this. Brilliant, that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. United coaching staff uh, and yes. madness one step beyond. <laughs> Quality. That's just that one of those photos. All, taken ba- at the right. all back at each other. Brilliant, one. that. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, that's uh, the end of two look like you for this week. Get them dogs in for next week. Eh? Thank you, John. Okay, uh, we've got about six minutes, lads, to go around the houses and get your predictions for the game of the weekend because I've got to get off now and do it, do the live on Thursday night. Uh, don't forget, this is a pre-recorded show. So, uh, Keith Brentford. Away this weekend. Don't want to sound like don't want to sound like a smart ass, but the last three games, uh Forest uh Wolves I predicted two one it was. Next game I predicted Forest two one it was. My United I predicted two one it was two nil. And last night I predicted four one and it was five one. So I so what's what, that, is that two two then? So so I'm as tasty as at the minute. Don't listen to that blog, it looks like a hamster. Just listen to me when I'm taught you. He's getting very bitchy. Too too listen, if I want interference on me, tell you, Mr. Hasty, I'll order some. Like, <laughs> I'd, like... <laughs> I'll tell you what I think. I think we'll go down Brentford. I think, I honestly think, and I said this 
The Man United, if you said to me out the four games, Man United and West Ham, I'd have said because of the ground, the way, I'd have said they're the hard ones. And now I'm saying that Brentford and Villa's the hard games. But how would you vote against this team smashing them to bits? And for me, I think you know going to Brentford away is a nightmare. I think it's a tough game, and how how can you not expect your castle to go and do them? So so I'm I'm saying that we're going to go down there. We're going to win. Definitely not going to get beat or draw because this team doesn't do that. Um, and I think. The score's going to be 2-1. I want to go back to 2-1. Um, I'd love to see... I've got to remember we battered them at home, but it was a bit of a funny fixture that we just seemed to come with, with plenty late on. But down there, they'll feel up for it. They only got beat one out of Man United uh, last night. They've got a good team. You know, they, they, they give great account themselves against, uh, Brent, against Brighton. Um, and, and they're a hard team to beat. And they're on the game. They perform better than they've ever performed. So that you're playing a team very, very much on the up. Two on your castle. And will this end? Will this run ever end? I hope not. Okay, Mitch, are you going to do the dice tonight? I have got dice. Yes, and me, me feelings are: we were told all this last year when we went down to Brentford. Within ten minutes, they had a man sent off, and we put them away comfortably. Yep, um, yeah. when, we play, when we played them up here, they couldn't cope with the high press. Yeah. That's what it did for them ultimately. And, uh, and so we've got all the tools to beat them. The challenge is, is they are where they are, they are on form. Merit. And, and they've gained this season two-thirds of their points at home. Mm-hmm. They're a good team at home. Yeah. Um. It's a, it's a ground I would be comfortable given how they play and that kind of information. I'd be comfortable taking a draw. I wouldn't be unhappy with it. Um, but I would love to see the, the winning run continue. Um, and we've got all the tools to do it all over again. Uh, we're on a high. Um, there's, there's no real area where they can exploit us. Um, perhaps only for a couple of moments, Pope looked a little shaky. Uh, against West Ham, he's got to stop getting involved in the physics, physical stuff in the box, and just do his job. That was tough. If you ask me. Um, but you know what? It's it's nice to have just something little to complain about than uh, running around with chicken little because my world's crashing in. You know, it's a very different, very different way of thinking. So I think we've got all the tools to do it. Um, let's see what the dice says. One two. The dice says. Zero one, one nil away win, which I take, I take all that. day long. Yeah, take Thank that. you very much. Mm. Me too. Okay, uh, on to you, George. Two nil, straightforward. I, I can't see the spirit in that team not not getting it through with Brentford. Um, the the they'll respond to any challenge that Brentford gives because that's the way they're, they're, they're feeling at the moment, and uh, um, go back to where I was for last night's game. Injuries are nothing. There's people on the bench now who are aching. Young Gordon came on and affected the match straight away, and he could do that again, and and so could some of the others. So, and we haven't even given that Elliot Anderson a chance yet. So, no, two two nil uh, for for us. We'll 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 do it at Brentford. On is he is he asleep? No, he's not. 
Just pondering, <laughs> just thinking. Just thinking he's got two right and two wrong in the last four games. Two right, two right and two bloody close. 4-1 and hey, it's 5-1. Oh, yeah. Two close. Hey, thousand miles away, you were that close. Oh, anyway, what you like, what you like. Bring on the oh. hamsters. Brighton, Brighton. See, you've got us all confused now. Good. Um, Brentford, <laughs> playing good football. Thomas Frank's got, uh, he's, he's he's done really well. It's a good set up there. There you um, go. It's completely changed over the last sort of five to six years. Yeah. They, they seem to have owners that have a, a set plan that they're playing really, really good football. There's a lot going on off the pitch, community wise, and they're, they're a joy to watch when you see them play. Uh, but I think everything that they do uh, revolves around a certain Ivan Tony. And uh, if you can control him and you can, he, he, he comes in, he's a touch player as well as being a target man. He can lay the ball off, he can score goals. You control him, and I think you can tend to control. Um, what Brentford do, um, they're not exactly the, uh, the the most formidable at the back. Uh, they've got nowhere near the defensive record that we have, so that says that we should be going into this game full of confidence. Um, we are the form team uh, of the between the two of them. Um, they got beat. They got beat off Man United, and I think it was. By all accounts, it was rather comprehensive in the end, even though the result uh, d- didn't actually show that. But they got a good result at Brighton the week before, uh, drawn 3-3. Um, but again, Brighton playing very much on the front foot, but not very good defensively, and that showed conceding three goals. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be an exciting game. And the most exciting and a lot is it's a 3pm Saturday kickoff. Amazing. How long ago is it since we've seen one of those? That's 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 the that's the big thing. Away game, three o'clock on a Saturday. Really, really looking forward to it. I'm going to go for a two-one win to Newcastle. Keep the record going. I'm not going to predict the goal scorers because I'll get them wrong anyway. Copy your mate, eh? Two nil. I'm going for Newcastle. I, I was just checking. You were listening, Mister Patterson. <laughs> two nil. I'm going for. Uh, going to finish up with two things. A genie granted me one wish, so I said, I just want to be happy. Now I'm living in a cottage with six dwarves and working in a mine. <laughs> Very good, Elliot and uh, Julie. I haven't forgotten. Uh, here is Troll of the Week. And the good news is, for the first time ever on the Three Amigos, there isn't a Troll of the Week. I haven't had one bit of social media abuse. Never. Never. There, was a, there was a troll on last night, though, trolling anybody that didn't live in Newcastle. Oh, well. And, and, you, you, and Melly last night told you to forward it to me. It was, uh, it yeah, was he wasn't trolling me, though. He wasn't trolling me. And that's what the. Oh. So, Where so, were you, mate? Well, so see, if, I, you I, did, us, I did. If you I did call you a bold Tory nonce on WhatsApp this week. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. So I've played the music, but there isn't one.
Enjoy your Easter. I hope you get plenty of eggs. Uh, Keith, Mitch, George and Steve, thanks for joining us as always. Have a great Easter and uh, see you all on the other side. Take care, lads. Thank you. Thanks, lads. Take care, everyone. See you all.